0: Good morning. Welcome to Axios Today. It's Friday, August 26th. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Here's what you need to know today. All eyes are on Fed Chair Jerome Powell ahead of this morning's speech from Jackson Hole. But first, President Biden's student loan forgiveness plan splits Washington. And Democrats see a stunning turnaround ahead of the midterms. This week in politics is today's one big thing. Lawmakers have been quick to take sides on President Biden's student debt forgiveness plan, a political gamble that's set to affect the midterms. That's one of the big politics stories this week. And Axios Managing Editor for Politics, Margaret Tollive, is here to wrap it all up. Hey, Margaret. Hi, Nyla. Margaret, this week, really big news on the student loan front. We saw some pretty strident positions and political reaction very quickly on both sides to this announcement.
1: Well, that's right, and their asymmetric reactions. The Republican Party has been pretty uniformly opposed and and panned this from the get go. On two fronts, they're going to emphasize, and they are emphasizing that this will help some people but not other people, and they're going to emphasize their belief that this could make inflation worse or at least represent Democrats taking their eye off of the ball of inflation. For Democrats, it's really different. There are many Democrats who have been supportive of this plan, but look at the Democrats who haven't been because that tells you everything you need to know about the political risks for Joe Biden here. Within hours of the announcement, Tim Ryan, that's the Democrats nominee for the Ohio Senate race in Ohio, very important race, came out critical of this plan. Also, Catherine Cortez Masto, that's the Nevada senator, the Democratic incumbent, who's probably the most vulnerable, one of the most vulnerable Democratic senators up this year, telling Axios, I don't agree with the executive action because it doesn't address the root problem that makes college unaffordable. When you have swing state Democrats or Democrats in battleground races distancing themselves from this plan or criticizing aspects of it, it gets to what some Democratic strategists are worried about. There is a risk that for every person who loves this plan, there will be one person or more than one person who says, I don't like this plan. It doesn't help me enough. It helps someone else when I already repaid my debts. It helps someone else when I couldn't afford to go to college, so I didn't go to college. And if that sentiment gets harnessed more than the sentiment of the people who say, thank you for addressing student loan relief, it could be a problem for Biden. It could be an unforced error.
0: Meanwhile, Margaret, your team has been reporting that recent days have also solidified a fairly stunning turnaround for Democrats in this election cycle. How much has the issue of abortion changed the previous conversations that you and I have had that Republicans would be running away with control of both the House and the Senate in November?
1: It has undoubtedly had a major impact on many levels in terms of turnout for primary elections by Democrats, in terms of fundraising for Democrats around the primary cycle, in terms of messaging, and in terms of outcome of races. Let's take a look at what we saw this week, Tuesday night primaries in New York, in Florida. There was Pat Ryan's unexpected win. That's the Democrat in that special election in New York, New York District 19. That was driven by an abortion-centered message. And The ads also focusing on protecting abortion rights. The opponent, the GOP opponent, was not focused on abortion. And in Florida, in the Democratic gubernatorial primary, there was just a huge Democratic turnout. Like, it was more in Florida this year than in 2018. And don't forget, 2018 was a historic turnout year for Democrats because of the backlash to Trump. There are other issues like to be sure they have been economic signs that have been positive for Biden and the Democrats. We've seen gas prices being lower in recent weeks, but abortion appears to be the issue that is driving enthusiasm seems like a weird word, but motivation to get Democrats registered to vote to get Democrats out to the polls.
0: Margaret, we saw some of the biggest final primaries we're going to see before the general election in November this week. Any other big takeaways we should be thinking about this weekend?
1: Yeah, I mean, we need to keep looking at the idea of moderation. Is there a voter appetite now for a swing of the pendulum back toward more moderate candidates as we head into general election season. There is some evidence that's true. There's also a lot of evidence that among the base, it's not true, and that there's still enthusiasm for uh, left and, and right candidates.
0: is Margaret Tolliv. As always, thank you so much, Margaret. Thank you, Nyla. Coming up, Neil Irwin gives us a preview of today's big speech by the Fed Chairman. Welcome back to Axios Today. I'm Nyla Boudou. Fed Chair Jerome Powell is speaking this morning at an annual gathering of economists, politicians, and market watchers, the Federal Reserve Summer Symposium in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. It's expected to be a hugely important speech where Powell will lay out a framework for future policies. But with the economy in its current state, all eyes are on Powell for signals of what's to come in the short term. Axios' chief economic correspondent, Neil Irwin, will be attending and he has this preview for us. Neil, can you give us a sense of the setting here? This is not your typical conference center Fed gathering.
2: It's very much not. Uh, it takes place every year in Jackson Hole, Wyoming in Grand Teton National Park. Within the national park at a lodge, uh, you have a big taxidermy grizzly bear up in the corner. You have elk antler chandeliers over the ballroom. And it's become the place that central bankers, economists, leaders come together and and talk about big, important economic ideas every year. And as a result, the chairman of the Fed, whether it's Jay Powell or his predecessors, really use this as an opportunity to lay out big ideas and a guidepost for what they think politics policy and the economy might look like in the years ahead.
0: So we started the week on the podcast with Javier David talking about how we might be at peak inflation, but how the risk of a recession remains. How delicate a balance does Powell have to strike here between managing inflation and a heavy hand that slows down the economy too much, possibly causing a recession, all the short-term risks
2: everyone's worried about? Yeah, it's a very delicate balance. There are some positive signs that inflation may be coming down. At the same time, Jay Powell, the Fed chair, really wants to appear resolute and make clear that the Fed is not going to let up on its raising interest rates until it's clear that inflation has been defeated. He's determined not to repeat the mistakes that the Fed made in the 1970s, when they saw a rosy outlook around every corner and took every bit of relief in inflation as a sign that the war has had been won. Uh, it very much had not, and it ended up taking a very deep recession in the early 1980s to finally end inflation. He's trying not to make those mistakes. The risk is that if you push too hard, he could throw the economy into a worse downturn than is strictly necessary to bring inflation down.
0: How much is his speech about managing expectations the stock market has about all of this?
2: Well, they say at the Fed that you know we don't target the stock market. Our job is not to worry about what people making uh, wagers on on Wall Street might win or lose. At the same time, they can't help but pay attention. And you know, if anything, I think that there's been a bit of a rally in the stock market since mid-June. If anything, I think the Fed might be a little uncomfortable with that. That maybe financial conditions, as they call them, have loosened too much. And so I wouldn't be surprised if we hear some hawkish noises, meaning more rates out of Powell, partly out of. Fear and concern that markets have gotten too complacent and are too ready to bet that the Fed's going to you know, cut interest rates as soon as the inflation turns and that that's what the outlook is. I think that's not something the Fed wants to hear.
0: So for people who aren't Fed watchers or closely following the day-to-day of the equities markets, what are the implications for us?
2: Well, what really matters is what happens to the interest rates that face ordinary people in the economy and business decision makers. So, if, you know, the reaction to this speech is that uh, rates rise and everybody thinks, "Oh, we're back in where we were in mid-June," that's going to cause real damage to the mortgage market, to housing, uh, it's going to cause companies to second guess their capital spending, their hiring. Uh, it could really have real results for uh, what happens in the job market for for wages. If the reverse is true, if, if there's a feeling that it's a benign message, if the sense is the Fed is not going to pump the brakes too aggressively, you might see the reverse. You might see a real rally in stocks, but also lower mortgage rates, uh, a greater sense of, uh, you know, we can keep this economy revving for a while to come.
0: Access is chief economic correspondent, Neil Irwin. Thanks, Neil. Thanks, Nyla. That's it for us this week. Axios Today was produced by Robin Lynn and Alexandra Boti. Our sound engineer is Alex Sugiyara. Sarah K. Helanigu is Axios' editor-in-chief, and special thanks, as always, to Axios co-founder, Mike Allen. I'm Nyla Boudou. Stay safe, enjoy your weekend, and we'll see you back here on Monday. In the Bubble with Andy Slavitt is a podcast from Lemonada Media that operates under the premise that the most comforting thing for all of us is knowing what and what not to worry about. Host Andy Slavitt, former White House Senior Advisor for COVID Response, is here to help you make sense of tough issues from COVID to the crisis in Ukraine to climate change and beyond. Andy breaks down the most complex news stories in a way that's easy to understand. In the Bubble has new episodes out Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.